The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is President Nito Kubain, who is the president of High Point University in High Point, North Carolina. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kubain. Thank you very much, Jordan. So for other people who have been in similar situations, uh, you know, immigrants without much English or contacts, what's the difference between somebody succeeding in the way you have and others who have not succeeded? Well, you know, I'll tell you, Jordan, the real difference is uh, our beliefs. You know, our beliefs lead to our behaviors. Our behaviors lead to our results. And uh, it all begins with one's mindset, you know, we're garbage in, garbage stays, but then wisdom in, wisdom stays. And I, I think that when we really uh, believe in something and we're passionate about it, we, send, we tend to have a sense of purpose for it, and that leads to um, commitment, and that leads to, you know, smart work and then better results. Uh, the reality of it, when you think of it, 50% of America's households are one paycheck away from bankruptcy. 80% of America's households have a net worth of under $100,000. And yet immigrants to this country, for some reason, um, are not once, not twice, not three times, but four times as likely to become millionaires as born Americans. They're not smarter, they're not better connected. They just somehow believe um, in, in the... Um, in the free enterprise system, they believe that they can lose themselves and invest themselves in something worthwhile, and they just go out there to make it happen. So I do believe it is our mindset and our set of beliefs that, that distinguishes one person from the other. So uh, tell us a little bit about High Point University and your coming there and what kind of things you're doing that make it an unusual university these days. Well, uh, you know, Hype University is, is, a, is a wonderful school. It was founded in 1924, and like many private schools, it, it, it tended to sort of go into an ocean of sameness where, you know, um, it looks the same, sounds the same. And when I came here, we had 1,400 students, undergraduate students, 375 freshmen, and we, in the last five years, have grown now to almost 4,000 undergraduate students, almost 1,400 in the freshman class alone. We've built about 47 buildings, some large, some small, invested almost $700 million on this campus, uh, you know, tripled the size of uh, the number of faculty members and tripled the size of the uh, what was then a landlocked uh, campus in the middle of a residential area in the middle of a city. And in the process, increased SAT scores on average for entering freshmen by 100 points and increased retention from 73% to 87%. When you put all that together, you begin to see that it wasn't just a changing process, but truly a transformational process where um, if you have you know, a clear vision, if you have a solid strategy, if you, if you employ practical systems, and if you have a sense of consistent execution, you can make something happen. And you can imagine how staff and faculty, alumni, trustees, donors, etc., pull together to say, you know, we believe in this plan, we can make something happen, and let's go make it happen. And so what makes High Point University, um, I, I think, um, differentiated in a relevant way is the fact that we focus on the student in a very big way. We believe in holistic education. It's very important what you learn inside the classroom, but it's of equal importance that you know how to apply it outside the classroom. It's very important that you nurture your spirit and nourish your mind with the... Um, with the knowledge base given your own major or your discipline area, but it's of equal importance that you know how to prepare yourself to get a job, start a business, be responsible, be independent, and, and, and travel the journey from success to significance. So it's about holistic education. It's about experiential learning where everything we do is connected to, to um, an experiential application. You know, the old Chinese proverb says, I hear and I forget. Uh, I see, I may remember, but I do and I understand. 
And so we've connected somehow to practically every, every area of, of um, study and experiential um, program where you can go do it, where you can be involved in it, whether it's study abroad, whether it's um, undergraduate research, whether it's internships, whether it's May Master, you get the idea. And then the third piece, besides holistic education, experiential learning, the third piece is values-based living. Everything we do in this campus is tied to a value, the value of service, generosity, fellowship, learning, etc. And we don't, you know, you can't teach values, but you can certainly uh, model values. So we say we live, they watch, they learn. Uh, if you walk our campus, you'll see how pristine it is, how students seem to be engaged and happy. And uh, they seem to lose themselves in something worthwhile. They want to they give to the community. They, they want to be engaged in social justice. And yet they work hard to um, excel in school so they can prepare for careers of, of value and substance. Um, one has to see High Point University to truly um, understand it. But everybody who comes here marvels at, at the way this one educational institution has been able in such a short period of time, really, to, um, to reinvent itself, to transform itself, while at the same time maintaining and retaining the protocol of the academy and, and um, you know, respecting the academic integrity and tradition of this academy. How would you say what you've done with High Point is different from other universities in North Carolina and, and your uh, region there? Well, you know, North Carolina is rich with uh, with universities. We have 17 public universities. We have 35 or 36 private schools um, of higher learning. So this is a land that's that's really, um, if not saturated, it's certainly very very blessed to have this many of them. And I think what High Point has done is we we have done we've recreated the campus itself. If, if you see the campus, you'll see it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, the inside and the outside of the facilities are just remarkable. Gives you the impression that you have stepped into a a distinctive place of um, of of aesthetic beauty, but also of of um, academic excellence. Uh, we've invested almost a hundred million dollars in technology. Our classrooms and academic buildings all are, um, you know, they, they ooze with with resources that are important, that are relevant, that are applicable in today's um, today's demanding global marketplace. Um, we have we have. Um, we have attracted stellar faculty who come from all kinds of wonderful backgrounds who really want to um, enable people to learn. You know, you can hire teachers or you can hire enablers of learning. We say at High Point we don't, we don't, um, um, you, you know, we don't look at students and say, this person can stay here, this person can't stay here. We try to really include everybody in the family. And, and, um, and so we've created this wonderful balance, if you will, between academic richness and student life richness. And, and, and those who experience it feel compelled to go tell the world about it. So we've taken this brand from an unknown brand to a brand awareness level, um, and then we took it to a position of brand preference, brand insistence, but mostly to brand advocacy, where parents and students tell their friends, tell their neighbors, tell counselors in their, in their high schools and their cities about this one place called Hypo University. And so they come, they come in droves and then they flock to enroll in the school and to benefit from all of the offerings thereof. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodwin of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is uh, the president of High Point University, uh, Dr. Nido Kubain. I was going to tell us the, the fascinating story, what we've heard so far, and also how to transform uh, your organization as well. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network.
If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Is your business or organization operating as efficiently as it should be? There are five basic dynamics present in every workplace that can effectively derail any organization. Be sure to listen for What's Leadership Got to Do With It? with Rick Tiemann. Rick and his guests will discuss how you can manage these five dynamics and improve your leadership skills. Leaders that want a successful business can't afford to miss this program. What's Leadership Got to Do With It? is broadcast live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is uh, President Nito Kubain, who is the president of High Point University in High Point, North Carolina. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kubain. Thank you very much, Jordan. We want to get into some of the details of some of the things you were talking about. You talk about experiential learning. What are some of the specific programs you have that students that can get real-life experience uh, based on what's going on in their courses? Well, uh, you know, it, it goes all the way from the um, President's Seminar on Life Skills. I teach a class called the President's Seminar on Life Skills in which every freshman is enrolled uh, in their first semester on campus. And in that class, we talk about everything from fiscal literacy, how to manage money, how to invest money, etc., cetera, uh, to uh, communication skills, to presentation skills, time management, uh, leadership, stewardship, all of those elements that can um, give a student some holistic education about life. Uh, if we, for example, if you're a graphic design major, and you get to work in New York or some other major metropolitan area as an intern with uh, an ad agency or a PR agency. If you are a communication major, um, you would have an experiential learning um, opportunity with a television station or radio station or, or a production house. We have a relationship, for example, with a music, a major music studio in Nashville and so on. Um, if you are a finance major, you would be a member of a, an investment club where you have real money that was donated to this club where students can actually be engaged in investing it and therefore learning firsthand about investing fiscal resources. Um, if you're a music major, you know, you may be up at the Carnegie Hall as, as our music majors went up and performed this year in a solo performance. So it extends beyond the boundaries of the campus itself. It certainly extends beyond the boundaries of the classroom. It allows our students to partake in, in life and to be engaged in it, involved in it, and to uh, meet people and build relationships with people who could... Um, uh, who could um, model for them uh, the, the principles of business or the principles of whatever major you may be involved in. We had a student, for example, in biology who uh, for two years now has been able to have an experiential learning opportunity with NASA. She went there and worked with NASA in, 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 in two different occasions. So the, the, the point of all this is that Today's student is much more connected with technology. Today's student is much more informed about, about matters that perhaps when I went to school I wasn't quite as aware of. And these students want uh, learning in the classroom. They want to have a, a relationship with their professor uh, that um, enlightens them even more deeply than just what they read in the book or what they listen in the lecture. And they want to then take that material and use it in a way that can enrich their understanding and therefore their ability to apply it in life. 
since you uh, teach this life skills course, what is your experience of uh, the condition students arrive in that course in the first place, and what happens at the end of the course? Well, you know, at High Point, we seem to attract students and we seem to attract families who, who tend to be, if I could use the word, more entrepreneurial in their thinking. I mean, we this school um, seems to attract the kind of student who wants to be extraordinary. In fact, our our um, statement here that is uh, that that we all adhere to every day goes something like this: At High Point University, every student receives an extraordinary education in an inspiring environment with caring people. So, I think the people who come here acknowledge the fact that you know we're created for a purpose that we can make something important come of our lives, um, and therefore um, they're inspired by that. And so, I think we begin already with somebody who wants to to uh, achieve something and and learn something and go on to do something worthwhile. Now, when they come in the classroom, in, in my particular class now, the President's Seminar, you know, they, they, they obviously hear my story, how I was their age when I came here, and I, I um, didn't really have the resources most people have, and yet went on to do some, some pretty good things in my own life and, and build some businesses and achieve some things. And so my message to them is what would keep you from achieving all your goals in life? What would keep you from becoming all that you can become? What would keep you from fulfilling your own potential? That they, that each one of us should be focused on the art of the possible. That whining is the opposite of thanksgiving. That you really can um, have anything uh, you want if you're willing to work hard enough and smart enough for it. So they, they, you know, they, they get the message from me that that it is possible to do something worthwhile. And, and you can do it when you get engaged in, in college. You can certainly have a, a wonderful experience in school, but you should also balance it off. I talk about balance. You have to be balanced. You know, there's a time to party, but there's a time to study. There's a time to sleep. There's a time to be in the classroom. And, and they get the message. The amazing thing, Jordan, about young people is that they really get it. They're intelligent and if if not fully mature yet, uh, they're certainly willing to listen to someone who can give them something that they believe is credible. They want to hear from someone who's done something in their life. And, and you know, I like to say that young people are like airplanes. You only hear about the ones that crash. And I think that's <laughs> absolutely true. I think most of them are good. Most of them are, are willing to learn. By the way, in this class, I have two sections of the class, about 650 students per section. Um, I mean, our classes at High Point are all under 20 students per class. So you can imagine this is a different experience for them. But you can throw a paper napkin on the carpeted floor and hear it hit the floor. That's how attentive they are. Um, and so they come in listening to this message, and then, you know, you can't in a semester in eight or nine sessions do anything um, uh, truly huge in, the, in, in, the, in terms of their understanding and so on. But what you're trying to do is to sort of open the door, put your foot in the door, and say, look, here's an opportunity, and you need, to, you need to change the way you think, you need to change the way you commit yourself, and you need to really believe that you can make something worthwhile in this, in this educational journey. I think they leave the class. They have to write a... Um, a report at the end of the class, a, pa- a paper at the end of the class. They leave the class and uh, reading those papers uh, just tell me that they've, they've learned a lot about specific areas of interest like time management, for example, or, or a fiscal, ma- a fiscal literacy. But more importantly, they, they got a shot in the arm about who they can become and about personal responsibility and about respecting the freedom we have in this country and about the necessity of their involvement as a member of this community on campus and a member of the community at large. And therefore, to whom much is given, much is required, your ability to volunteer, to do more, to be more, to give more, to share more, and mostly to be an ambassador of, you know, your family, your, your school, uh, your fraternity, whatever organization you might be, might be involved in. And it's, it's amazing to me that they can and do respond in this, in this way, which again gives me faith that today's young people are willing to improve, willing to grow, uh, given the opportunity and given an opportunity that has, that has some gravitas connected to it, some credibility that comes with it. Can you give me an example or two of uh, somebody who maybe went through your class and who graduated pretty recently and is, is doing terrific things because of what oh, they yes, learned there? Yes. Oh, yes. We have um, on our campus, uh, we have two uh, very large 
um, um, chair, sort of like a rocking chair, but very, very large. And, and I mean, they're not, you know, the kind of, you and I would use, they're just, they're, they're meant to, to be looked at, so to speak. And we put them in the park. And in front of them, we put a, um, a little sign that tells the observer why we have those chairs there. We call them the think big, act big, uh, dream big, um, chairs, and they were inspired by a letter from a student who graduated from Hyper University who claims that in the President's Seminar, they heard me say that, that, you know, you can do amazing things in your life. They heard me say that, you know, I began with, um, with nothing and that out of adversity could emerge abundance. They heard me say that my father died when I was sick. They heard me say that, you know, um, uh, when I started my business, I had $500 after I came out of grad school and began my first business and worked hard uh, to make it happen. They heard me say that sometimes I was, um, you know, um, unsuccessful in my attempts to make something happen. And yet, I never let discouragement enter my psyche that I said that being disappointed is okay. Being discouraged, uh, discouraged is never okay. And, and so, um, this, this young lady went on to graduate from college and to start her own business, believe it or not, very entrepreneurially, which, which in our entrepreneurship program at High Point, we have this, another example of experiential learning. We, we have a million dollar gift from a major company that, that is intended to seed uh, um, small companies, enterprising companies that our students come up with and start, um, you know, with different ideas. And we have, we have numerous people who have done that. A student who started, a, you know, a clothing company, a, a student who started a, a shirt company made from bamboo and, and, and many other, many other examples. So this young lady went on to start her own company. She, she believed in the class that we learn how to think big and, and dream big and act big and, and she did it. And she wrote me this wonderful letter and we, we, we put those chairs up as an example of, you know, as a reminder, I should say, that we should, we should think big, that we should not have, you know, minimal dreams in life, that especially in America, we have an opportunity to um, to do good things and to and to um, move in directions that are um, that are important and that can and that can deliver wonderful results. Indeed, sounds so. It's a general in the economy. There's a general sense of fear right now and people not wanting to take risks. So does that? Oh, you're make so it right, Jordan. But you know what? High Point University has grown almost 20 percent in enrollment and in other ways in the midst of these most disruptive of economic times. Most disruptive, certainly, the last 50, 60 years of America's history. And um, you know, we we say that this campus is a no whining zone. We don't we don't like whining. We 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 believe that whiners are just not very grateful people. And, and I think that when you get up in the morning and you have a purposeful endeavor to pursue, and you give it all of your resources, uh, your energy, and your, and your sense of tenacity, um, you can make something happen, even in tough times. I'm not suggesting that everybody can. I certainly am not suggesting that, um, that some people don't have it very hard now. I would, not, I would not in any way suggest that. What I am suggesting, though, is that in America we can still make good things happen if we focus on them and we go after them and we work hard towards them. And, um, yes, these are tough economic times, but we tell our students, that this is a great opportunity to learn and to study and to prepare yourself. And guess what? Things are cyclical. Um, you know, you'll have tough times, but, but then you'll also have abundant times around the corner. And what we have to do is to prepare ourselves um, in a way that, that we can benefit from the opportunities. You know, school is never out for the pro, and we have to be better tomorrow than we are today just to stay even. And if we're as good today as we were a year ago today, uh, then we were worse off. So we have no choice but to, um, to, to learn and to grow and, and to remain you know, optimistic about the opportunities that lie ahead. We've got to look at the horizon and see a rainbow. Uh, to do otherwise is to get yourself discouraged and dismayed and to rob yourself of the belief that, that you, can, you can make something good happen. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Dr. Nito Kubain. Uh, he's the president of High Point University in High Point, North Carolina. Uh, their website is highpoint.edu. We'll be back after this.
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday, 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Dr. Nido Kubain. He's the president of High Point University in High Point, North Carolina. Uh, their website is highpoint.edu. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Kubain. Thank you very much. My pleasure being with you. We wanted to broaden this out a little bit uh, in transforming organizations. And so maybe, and, and you've done this not only uh, with High Point, but with some other companies you work with. Tell us a little bit about the process that one should take if an organization is not performing well and you see tremendous potential. How do you go about transforming it? Well, you know, the most important thing, of course, is to have a clear vision, is to know what it is that you're trying to accomplish, is to see the end, you know, before you. In other words, you have to really understand that here's where we are, here's where we want to go. And then, of course, you can devise a strategy of how do we get there. Uh, so I think that's number one. You know, absent a vision, it's really hard to rally the troops or to get people excited about the mission. Um, but I think the next step, obviously, is to identify the culture as it is today and as it must be if one is to um, accomplish that, that vision. So culture means, you know, what do people believe in, uh, what drives them, what are their fears, what are their aspirations, what are their goals, um, those kinds of, what are their needs, those kinds of things. The hardest thing that you'll do in any transformation of any organization is clearly the culture, to get the people, you know, on the bus with you believing that, uh, A, this vision is worthwhile, B, we have the talent and skills to make it happen, C, the end result is truly going to be purposeful and meaningful. And then to sort of frame all that with one's, um, with one's determination that along the way you're going to take a recess to reassess frequently and to do more of the things that work and to do less of the things that don't work, to learn tremendously from productive failures and not to be so, um, so impressed with uh, non-productive successes. And, and, um, and so, you know, that, that means that you're gonna, you're gonna build around you a small team of people who you can delegate to, who you can work through, who can wholeheartedly commit to the, uh, to the, uh, to the vision. And I, I use the word commitment in a very, very, um, specific way. Um, you know, you make a decision with your brain, you make a commitment with your heart. That's why commitments are longer lasting. That's why commitments are harder to break. And so, in in my view, you know, these are the kind of the steps that you do. Now, along the way, uh, you're really going to make sure that that the marketplace, if you will, the environment, uh, the world really needs what you offer. Because if you if you're missing it on one of the primary components, then then nothing really happens. At Hyper University, and I suspect that's true of most most organizations, universities, or otherwise. Um, we, we believe that we had a Mona Lisa, and the Mona Lisa was the educational program, but that we were not doing a very good job framing that Mona Lisa. 
just imagine for a moment, Jordan, if the Mona Lisa was, uh, was sort of uh, unframed and thrown in the corner, someone might not pay attention to it. Someone might not admire it. The moment you frame it, you spotlight it, you put it in the Louvre, all of a sudden people will queue up to go see it. And, and so it is here. You know, it's like taking a diamond, a really valuable diamond, and, and throwing it in a McDonald's paper bag, crumbling the bag and throwing it in the corner. Nobody might even pick it up. And if someone does pick it up, they may simply throw it in the garbage can. But so how did you frame High Point University? And, and that's, uh, how did you make that happen? Say again, please. How, how did you frame High Point University to make people notice it. Well, well, what we did is we we said, um, you know, uh, let's make sure that we don't have any deferred maintenance. Let's begin with the obvious. The obvious is to make sure that the place looks good. You know, you look at something from the outside first. Even a, even a book, you look at its cover first. And so we made sure that everything looks beautiful. That when you came on our campus, you were very impressed with what's here. That's part of the frame. Second, we said, what does it take for the student? Um, to have a good life, to have a fulfilling life, to have a balanced life, to have a purposeful life on campus. That meant you have to have superb academics with superb faculty leading those, those educational experiences. We made sure that was in place. Then we said where they sleep is important to them, what they eat is important to them. And so we've created residential facilities that are based in, in the main um, on, on areas of interest. For example, if you are a, um, uh, you know, a drama major, a theater major, uh, and a music major, there is, there is a facility, a residential facility, that uh, is um, accommodating of that group should they wish to live together. And then there are some common areas as well. Uh, that anybody with any major can live in, but every area is is beautiful. Every area meets the needs of the student in an impeccable way. Same thing with food. Same thing with weekend activities. These are all important things on a college campus. Uh, a student wants to go to classroom and be studious, but a student also wants to make friends, uh, build a an inner circle, uh, be engaged. Whether it's Greek life, as fraternities and sororities, or one of the ninety ninety other organizations we have on campus. So that's that's part of the framing. And then we added to that the spotlight. The spotlight would be your branding, making sure that people know who you are, hearing your story, wanting to come visit your campus. And of course, the ultimate rule and the ultimate test is when people hear about you and you and what you're doing, and then they come see it for themselves. It has to stand the test of time. It has to be real. They have to see it and say, in our case, people come to university and see it and go, you know what, it's much more beautiful than we thought it is. It's much more beautiful than your website says it is. And that's, that's a real compliment. That means we deliver every day on what we promise. You've also done this for some private companies as well. You're chairman of the Great Harvest Bread Company, for example. How have you uh, done transformation for that company? Well, a Great Harvest Bread Company has about 240 stores and 44 stores around the country. Um, and um, what, this is a, a fabulous company that has that every single morning at 5 o'clock, all the wheat is milled in every store. Uh, so it's fresh bread, it's fresh cookies, fresh granola. granola. What we don't sell by 7 o'clock, we give away to charity. It is a company with a heart. And it's unbelievable the brand um, uh, advocacy from its customer base. In other words, they come back again and again, tell their friends, and that's how it's all word of mouth. And what we did there is to make sure that that, that company is – um, getting its message across with clarity that it's fresh bread every day, it's healthy bread every day, to make sure that we build a, an affinity with our with the customer base that um, make them want to come back again and again and buy more and more. So even in the toughest of times, recessionary times, the company kept on doing very well. A transformation means that uh, you got to follow the sort of the Disney philosophy. The Disney philosophy simply goes, you know, we take care of our employees. Our employees take care of our customers. Our customers take care of our profits. That's a fabulous, fabulous um, triad of ideas for one to follow. Um, and so the transformation uh, means the physical, making sure your physical plant always looks good. It means the functional. It means that technology and, and other uh, material that you need to make your your organization work is always up to par, is not deferred. You're not taking the easy way out. You're always investing back in the uh, machinery or, or processes or programs uh, that, or people that you need. 
And it also means telling your story in a way that an ever-changing marketplace made up of, of customers who are saturated with messages of advertising um, can find some kind of, um, um, you know, affinity with you, uh, that they believe the message and that they want to partake of what you offer. And you also are on the board of BBT, uh, a big banking company in the southeast. Yeah, what BB have been some of the... Yeah, BB&T, Jordan, is the ninth largest financial institution in the country. It's about $170 billion in asset, about 35,000 employees from Florida all the way up um, to Maryland and beyond, and then as deep as, uh, um, you know, Tennessee and Alabama. And, and So, so uh, what have been some of the changes you've brought to BB&T being on the board there? Well, BB&T, BB&T is a public company. Um, I, don't, I don't run BB&T. It's a public company with with large employee base, but as a director, you know, I've been part and parcel of this um, ever-changing evolution of this, of this company uh, in terms of building its um, community banking concept so that people are making decisions at the front end, people are making decisions in every community where it operates. Uh, it's certainly uh, uh, transformed its, its image, its, um, its branches, but I think the most important thing about BB&T in terms of transformation is the BB&T um, uh, learning and educational process called BB&T University. I mean, it's a corporate university, obviously, where every employee is encouraged and rewarded uh, for going to classes on everything from, uh, you know, compliance issues to self-development and improvement in all kinds of skills. And in so doing, BB&T has been able to create tremendous loyalty among employees. Those employees tend to stay there longer, tend to build relationships with their customers, tend to give better ideas, better input, better feedback. And this is why BB&T, even in these very difficult times, as you know, for financial institutions, um, has been able to um, maintain a much uh, higher level of success than so many other peers in the market. What is your sense, since you're in the banking business, being on that board, uh, of what's happening in the banking business? There's been a lot of regulation, the Dodd-Frank regulation. There's been limits on the interchange fees and uh, the credit card reform bill. seems like the regulators are trying to rein in the banks from having uh, done too much lending and too loose lending, and now it's very tight. What what is your sense of the, the balance going on in banking now? Yeah, you know, sometimes, sometimes what happens, we overreact. And, and, um, sometimes, um, if a few people do some, some, um, uh, less than favorable things, we tend to get everybody, you know, um, to, 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 um, to look at it in a certain direction and so on. Uh, I mean, I believe in private enterprise, obviously, and I believe perhaps we have too many regulations. Um, uh, but, but the truth is that, uh, I think banks have gone through a very tough period. And some of them perhaps were not as um, as good and as um, uh, as good stewards as they should have been, and maybe it was too loose. Maybe the, maybe a lot of people did get hurt in the process. Um, but I think there are banks like BB&T and others that have done, I, I believe, an exceptional job in being in being conservative and being responsible. And, and, and those are the ones that have not really um, suffered as much. Those are the ones who have not, if you will, expanded beyond their capacity to expand. I mean, that's what happens, Jordan, in any, in any marketplace. What happens is we get so sure of ourselves that we begin to expand left, right, north, and east, uh, and south, and west, and all of a sudden you wake up one day and you're incapable of managing the process um, as carefully and as effectively and as efficiently as perhaps once once you did. So... Uh, but but having said all that, I want you to know I'm bullish about the future. I'm bullish about uh, the future of America. I do know that there are tremors in the world, what with Europe and so on. Uh, but I'm a believer um, in uh, the private enterprise system, and, and I believe that we are intelligent and learned people who will, in fact, find new ways of doing things and better ways of doing things. We'll learn from our mistakes. It'll never be a perfect world. Uh, there's no such thing as utopia, but... But um, I do believe that, that the future is going to be better than our past. Indeed, very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Dr. Nino Kubain. Uh, he is the president of High Point University in High Point, North Carolina. Uh, the website, if you want to find out more about the university, is highpoint.edu. We'll be back after this.
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Intense and intelligent. Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, keeps you informed of the ideological, theological, and economic war being waged against the United States of America. Kevin Lehman's bold and brilliant style challenges your deepest held beliefs and provokes you to ask the hard questions, religious, scientific, political, or financial. Kevin is holding the establishment's feet to the fire with high-profile guests that include politicians, economists, theologians, and business titans. He'll demand truth over tradition and facts over fiction. Full of passion, wisdom, and wit, Kevin's transparent and no-nonsense style make Catch Kevin unscripted and uncensored. The go-to show for real insight on business, politics, social issues, and breaking news. It's time to get real, America. It's time to tackle the tough issues head on. Tune in to Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. If you are looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Dr. Nito Kubain. Uh, he is the president of High Point University in High Point, North Carolina. Uh, their website is highpoint.edu. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Kubain. Thank you very much. I want to kind of take a look at the broader uh, international picture on education. How are uh, students at High Point, but also other students in the United States, being prepared, and, and how, that, how does that compare with what's happening in other universities around the world? Well, you know, I, I, um, I do believe the world is flat, to uh, quote Tom Friedman, that we have now, uh, you know, gone beyond the boundaries of any continent, really, uh, to uh, to uh, succeed in this world. We had Malcolm Gladwell, we had Tom Friedman on our campus too, but we had Malcolm Gladwell the other day, the author of The Tipping Point and Outliers and and uh, so on, and Blink, et cetera. And, and one, one person asked me the question, you know, in this, in this marketplace, isn't it difficult for college students to find a job in America? And he said, why do they have to think America? Why do they think the whole world? Why they can go, you know, to, to Brazil or to India or anywhere else to, to get a job. And he was making a bigger point, and the bigger point is that we have to prepare ourselves culturally and otherwise to a world that is, um, that is truly international and truly global. And, and so, um, you know, that's what we believe in our students. We, we, you know, we say to our students here, listen, you've got to be in the zone. Um, the reason we put the bar up high for them is because we believe that students have a tendency to reach up to whatever level of excellence you provide for them. So if you expect them to reach that bar way up high, they'll, they'll certainly shoot towards it. And, and we say, you know, who you spend time with is who you become. So make sure you spend time in person, through books, online, wherever, with people who are great, people who are wise, people who are educated, people who are inventive. Um, and we say to them, you know, what you choose is what you get. So life is all about making the right choices. It's about choosing well, whether, again, whether we're talking about friends or business associates or a discipline that we get engaged in or a major that we, that we pursue in college. It's all about choices. We can't whine later about that 
because the truth is all meaningful change comes from within. And the more students are, are developed from the inside out, the more they're built from the inside out, the more they don't just learn, but they learn how to learn, the better prepared they are to deal with a very competitive world. And, you know, we have students here from China and India and other places, Russia and Brazil, and these are determined students. These are students who are already good in math and, and, and science and um, who come to America to learn principally, you know, management techniques, leadership techniques about how to build businesses and so on. And, and, and we have to learn from them as well. So I, I believe that we do have to have an international view of what is available, and we have to, we have to instill in our students a desire to, to go beyond the boundaries of our uh, of what we know, if you will, and go into, into an area that we're not as familiar to learn more about it. There is criticism that a lot of pharmacists, not only at your university, but all kinds of universities, are coming from overseas, uh, learning a lot, and then going back and competing with us, in effect. And we're kind of arming our competitors, particularly in engineering and computer science and the more high-tech areas. Uh, do you think there's any validity to that criticism? Well, there, there may indeed be. High Point University wouldn't fit into that category because we're a liberal arts school, so we're not we're not necessarily attracting a large number of students like that. But it's true there are universities that are filled with students who come from overseas to learn these disciplines, and then they go back there and, and do their businesses. And I guess one could argue that they that they end up competing with you. I, I tend to have a much broader view of the world and, I, and a much broader view of the meaning of competition, and, and I tend to have a sense of confidence uh, that emanates from competence. I believe that people who are competent uh, can do well, so I don't believe that we have to shelter ourselves from that. But I do think that may, there, there may be some legitimacy to that point. Um, you know, in terms of, of people doing that, but I, I, I suspect, Jordan, that you could that you could um, show just as many examples of people who came here and did something in terms of their learning uh, experience in America, and then they went back uh, to do something, and then and then partnered with America. So I think there are just as many examples of people who have done good things uh, than perhaps people who have just, in a commercial sense, competed with us. Um, so, I, you know, I, those become matters of opinion. I, uh, how do you measure the qualitative uh, benefits that American students get by merely interacting with people from different parts of the world and, and then going to, to visit or going to study abroad there? At High Point, we have, we have programs in over 20 countries of the world where students can go abroad and, and study. So I, I, I tend to have a much broader view of the world than that. What is your sense of the level of commitment uh, towards education in this country, uh, both financing? I mean, in many cases, tuitions are going up dramatically, making it harder for students to afford to go there. Um, states, particularly, are cutting back on subsidies. What is your sense of the, the level of commitment to education in America these days? Well, I think, um, I think the, the families have a great level of commitment. I mean, families want their children to be educated. Families understand that, you know, uh, you don't have a college education. You're simply not going to do as well in life as you could have otherwise. Um, it, it is sad, I must tell you, it is very sad that by necessity some schools have to increase their costs because, uh, you know, everything else goes up in price. You have to pay your people better. You have to have more programs and so on. Um, and, and, in, and unfortunately, when you do that, it does indeed uh, preclude very fine people from attending the college of their choice. That's always a sad thing in a market like America. Thank God we have a very solid public um, education system that students can go to public universities inside their state and receive a very good education for minimal investment of, of financial resources. Now, but the commitment of, of states to uh, universities, for example, you're right, has been reduced measurably by simple necessity that they're not getting the revenues they need from taxes and other places. I do think that's not necessarily an expression of lack of commitment. I think that's merely a reaction to economic times that necessitate that. But I, don't, I can't see a scenario... I've read extensively about it. I've talked to a lot of people about it. I really can't see a scenario where people all of a sudden say, we're just not going to go to school. We're just going to study this online and be done with it. I don't see that. I think 18 to 22-year-olds or thereabout will continue to want to go to a school, continue to want to reside there because the growth 
patterns that come out of that in terms of maturation, growing in wisdom, as you acquire knowledge, as you become more skilled, as you prepare yourself for life, are are irreplaceable and and in I think indispensable. Many people are talking about the growth of online education and saying that the infrastructure uh, that's needed, uh, the endowments and the buildings and grounds and all that is, is going to be outmoded going forward because a lot of what can be taught can be done online. I mean, lectures can be put online and so on. So you, you think that is not going to be growing oh, no, as no, much? I've, as I mean, I've talked to people who, who, who say that. I've, I've even read some of their work. They've even interviewed me. So I'm, I'm very familiar with what you're saying. I think that that is absolutely true, and I would agree with it, for adult education. In other words, um, the person who is 30 years of age or 35 or 40 or whatever age who wants to go back to school, that makes perfect sense. They can, they can get it online. And they've already matured. They don't need the actual physical presence uh, that a university uh, like High Point University would offer. But I would submit to you that the 18, you know, the senior coming out of high school um, and trying to get a, an undergraduate degree or even a graduate degree, but certainly undergraduate, they are going to want to go to a place, a physical place where they sit in classrooms because it is not about information. Let me put it this way. Uh, if, if all a person has is information, people will use you and discard you. If what you have is knowledge, people will call upon you when they need you. But if what you have is wisdom, people will respect you. Part of going to a college experience, being on a campus, is not just to assemble you know, a body of information which indeed you could argue you can get online, but rather it is to integrate in a community, to, uh, uh, to be a part of a larger place and a larger world in which you begin to discover your strength, in which you begin to evolve your personality, in which you begin to learn about teamwork and about communication and about sure. building a better future. So it's, it's in that spirit that I believe um, that will continue without, without any issue. Very good. Well, thank you so much. My guest this hour has been Dr. Nito Kuben. Uh, he's the president of High Point University in uh, High Point, North Carolina. Uh, their website is highpoint.edu. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show. Thank you very much. And we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.